0: Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, today on Dairy Stream, we're going to discover more about the Discovery Farms, and boy, it should be a impactful conversation. We're going to open up a little bit of dialogue on on-farm research projects that have been going on with Discovery Farms, and then after our break, I think we're really going to get into some interesting aspects of, you know, we talk about the research, but, you know, now what happens? And I think our guest has some great answers for that. She is Amber Raditz, Agricultural Water Quality Program Manager for UW Extension, and I know prior to this. Amber already talking with our producer, editor, Joanne, and I was saying, you know, Amber's one of my favorite colors. And I get a feeling after this podcast, she's also going to be one of my favorite interviewees. So a lot riding on (laughs) what you have to say. (laughs) No, no pressure at all. Yeah, no
1: kidding. No pressure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's open up with the on-farm research projects with Discovery Farms. For those that really don't understand what Wisconsin Discovery Farm programs are all about, can you give us kind of an overview?
1: Sure, absolutely, Mike. Discovery Farms was started uh, around the year 2000 and it was totally started in response to farmers saying, we understand that water quality is an issue that we have some part in and we want to know how our systems are are contributing to that. And so Dennis Frame and Fred Madison took that call and because they were actively involved in nutrient management planning efforts in the state and some regulations that were being proposed. And they were working with UW Extension and the University of Wisconsin-Madison at that time and just said, farmers need to understand this, we need to understand this. And so they proposed actually doing water quality research on privately owned farms around the state uh, instead of doing only work on university research farms, kind of extending that to farms around the state. And they actually got farms to volunteer to monitor what their water quality was. And so for the past 22 years, we've been continuing that legacy of working directly with farmers around the state to install monitoring equipment and understand how different, different parts of systems play into the things we understand about agriculture's role in water quality. So things like your soil type or your landscapes that you're farming in, the farming system that you're using, the management practices that you are employing. So so those farmer participants really are what drive the program and you know if I had to give you just really three pillars of discovery farms is we are founded on farmer leadership so farmers asking the questions that we need to understand both the farmer participant and also our steering committee kind of helping us understand what research questions are out there. And then um, the other pillar would be credible water quality research. We partner with the U.S. Geological Survey to actually collect the data from farms. And that makes it some really credible, unbiased water quality research data. And then finally, really communicating those results back to the people that can use this information and that are interested in agriculture and water quality.
0: And if someone's curious, Amber, actually, how is this funded?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So really, the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin have been a major funder of Discovery Farm since the very beginning. And I really think that is really something special about something special from Wisconsin, if you will, right? Like to have farmers participate firsthand in this water quality research, dairy farmers and uh, other types of farmers as well. And then to have Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin using checkoff dollars to actually fund a water quality monitoring program since the beginning is pretty special. So that's, one of our main funding sources. We also do have some state funding for some of our positions as well as doing things like our sample water quality sample analysis and buying equipment, things like that. So We've got a line in the state budget. We have some money from Extension. And then um, the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, those have been the most stable funding sources. And then we've also been successful in competing for national grants, competitive grants, both on the national and state level for the um, special projects that we're working on.
0: You're listening to the voice of Amber Raddatz. She's the Agricultural Water Quality Program Manager for UW Extension. And speaking of that, there's been some... Information passed out recently with the role of the new agricultural water quality program. Can you better explain that?
1: You know, like I said, Discovery Farms has this kind of legacy of working with farmers on water quality information. And to tell you the truth, I've been with Discovery Farms, which is over 10 years now really all that has happened is a demand the demand has grown for more of this type of information and for more communication and more resources and and being in more places and that demand has grown because farmers are participating in farmer-led watershed groups because farmers are really interested in how to get involved in the parts that they can control about this water quality question so Extension has heard that demand for more resources and more information and actually has funded the Agriculture Water Quality Program, which Discovery Farms will sit right inside. And that's, this will allow Discovery Farms to focus on the research end, that farmer-led, credible water quality research. And then our Ag Water Quality staff can pick up the communications and outreach end of this. So really using that Discovery Farms information to create useful products and information for farmers and farm advisors and others to really use to adapt their practices. So the new Ag Water Quality Program will currently have four outreach specialists along with myself and uh, John Excel, who are managing the program. And this just is gonna bring tons of extra capacity to farmers around the state on this topic. So more resources, more people to contact.
0: And you mentioned earlier about the pillars that were involved, and you talked about communicating results. And because of participation of producers and even you expanding uh, your resources, I presume now you do have more capacity to communicate results through the agricultural community?
1: Yep, that'll be the goal. Yeah, so we're able to use extension funding to hire the new outreach specialists, and those folks will be stationed in areas around the state. So one will be in western Wisconsin, one will be in eastern Wisconsin, we'll have somebody in central Wisconsin, and someone in Madison. And then be. generally, you're
0: covering the whole state.
1: That's our goal, right? That's that's (laughs) the hope is to be able to provide service around the state and um, communicate those results and help understand what questions farmers are asking and bringing them back to be able to see if there's some way we can do more research to help understand the questions that farmers really need to understand.
0: And I always know through my decades of being a farm broadcaster, whenever I did a program or that, it seemed like producers really drawn the stories that involved other producers and what they were doing. And Mm -hmm. you had mentioned earlier about producers volunteering their land for these projects. So could you maybe discuss a little further the on-farm projects being done by Discovery Farms?
1: What Discovery Farms, what our traditional way of doing things has been is that we stay on a farm for five to seven years. So the current projects are not the only projects that we've ever done. So we've you know been through several farms and graduated those farms and now are uh, continuing to move those pieces of equipment around the state to monitor different types of farming systems or different landscapes or just understand more about these systems. So right now, what we have in place are several edge of field sites where we partner with the U.S. Geological Survey and also local partners to be able to understand surface runoff. So those stations are totally in place and maybe like set up in a waterway or some similar situation in a field put in place to be able to understand what is in water that moves off of a field out over the surface. So what is in that water from a standpoint of um, nitrogen, phosphorus, and sediment, how much water moved off the field, and when it happened. So what we do is take those that water quality information, both the sample analysis and the knowledge of how much water moved, and then combine that with things like the agronomic data and the weather data to come up with those communication of results that we talked about. So right now our edge of field sites are on, they are in Kewanee County, they are in Langlade County, they're in Juneau County, and they're in Marathon County. So we have four counties that have a couple of sites in each county. And in each county, we're kind of looking at something different. So in Kewanee County, we're looking at. Um, the impact of cover crops, no-till, low disturbance manure incorporation on especially sediment loss there, because those are challenging soils. They are tight clay soils. They like to stay kind of cool and wet. And, and they're not the, the hilliest parts of the state necessarily, but we're looking at longer slope lengths and just kind of a vulnerable situation there from a soil loss perspective. So we're working with two farmers in Kewanee County on trying to get that under control and really understanding the impacts that all of these recommended practices like cover crops and no-till and low disturbance manure have on Uh, especially phosphorus losses in that part of the state. In Langlade County, we're actually working with the potato and vegetable group and also their local farmer-led watershed group to understand if there is a possibility and how it might impact water quality to try to incorporate cover crops into seed potato rotations. So that's a really interesting idea up in the Antigo Flats to try to understand how we can protect that soil more times of the year. Then, when we move down to uh, Marathon County, that's a new project we just started last fall, and those sites are in place to understand again on kind of tighter, traditionally more wet soils to understand how dairy can work on on those soils. So, one of the farms is a grazing dairy, and one of the farms is confinement dairy that mm-hmm. is using cover crops and all the all the recommended things. So, and then our last surface water station is down by Juneau County, and they're looking at some interesting things about cover crops and kind of some community-based manure uh, application strategies. So, kind of working together for on manure application and timing. So, all of those projects even all have their own kind of flavor to them and their own priorities. And um, what we're really grateful for is the opportunity to work with those farmers and the partners that are helping us with sample collection to be able to fill those gaps in our data set.
0: It's good to see you just said you're basically trying to go around the entire state because we have such diversity in our soil types and uh, landscapes and, uh, you know, topography of the land that it's important. You can't really say one size fits all. So it's good you're doing so much research. I'm not going to ask you to count up all the sites that are currently active, but are there any new sites coming on board?
1: One project that I think is really interesting that we should talk about a little bit is, you know, we're seeing a lot of demand to understand more about nitrogen and nitrate leaching from agricultural systems because of the impacts on our groundwater. And so um, in response to that, what we're able to do is to extend some work that has been occurring in the central Sands with under the direction of Kevin Maseric and be able to extend what's called a, uh, a equilibrium tension lysimeter type of monitoring. Now that's a lot, of, that's a big mouthful. To basically say we're working right now with a farmer in Pepin County. We installed these sites last fall to really understand how much water is moving through the soil profile and past the root zone, and how much nitrogen is coming with it. And the cool thing about that project is we're going to be able to set up kind of a treatment and control in his field and see just how effective cover crops are at changing that amount of nitrogen loading in his dairy system. So we're starting there with that type of research on understanding nitrate loading and the nitrogen dynamics within our farming systems. And we're hoping to extend that to several areas of the state because we really need to know. It's another situation where farmers need to know what they can do. Farmers need to know how their system is stacking up and we need to be able to evaluate the solutions that are going to be helpful for them.
0: Yeah, very valuable information for not only today, but into the future. And a lot of valuable information being shared and a good little education about Discovery Farms here in Wisconsin with Amber Raditz, Agricultural Water Quality Program Manager for UW Extension. We opened up Dairy Stream today, kind of talking about on farm research projects and give you a, a general understanding of Discovery Farms, who they are, what they do, how this will improve not only situations for producers, but consumers and the general public. And we've got a lot of uh, our research information that uh, we'll be sharing as well but in the next segment we want to talk a little bit more about we have the research but now what so we invite you to stay with us as we continue with dairy stream and we'll be right back with our dairy stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin exists to be a tireless advocate, marketer, and promoter for Wisconsin dairy farmers and to drive demand for Wisconsin's dairy products. The organization represents Wisconsin farm families and works to increase the sale and consumption of Wisconsin milk and dairy products, as well as build trust in dairy farmers and the industry. Organizational initiatives include generating national publicity, managing digital advertising, and driving sales, distribution, and trial through the retail and food service promotions. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin also supports in-school education about the benefits of dairy and funding for the Center for Dairy Research at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. For more information and to sign up for our monthly newsletter, visit wisconsindairy.org. Well Dairy Stream is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative and today on Dairy Stream we're talking about on-farm research projects with the Discovery Farms of Wisconsin and here to give her insights is Amber Raditz. She's the Agricultural Water Quality Program Manager for UW Extension. In the first part of our podcast we did talk about uh, kind of an overview of Wisconsin Discovery Farm Programs and we also got into the new Agriculture Water Quality Program and During that conversation, Amber was uh, very precise with some of the research projects and even some of the details they already have. But Amber, I want to go a little deeper into that subject and maybe you can share some key findings in the research you've done and what changes are being done across agriculture because of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the exciting part. You're right. I mean, uh, working with farmers and trying to gather information is is super rewarding and it's awesome that we have Farmers that are willing to really get involved with something that truthfully, this is not necessarily their full-time job, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of things to manage. So this conservation and water quality and having them be involved in that is super valuable. And then being able to make sense of the kind of data that we're getting is really exciting. So just a couple of things that I would say are the the biggest things that I feel like I talk about a lot. I, I just really want to make the point that there is not a single perfect system. What I want to do, what my goal is, is to really elevate this conversation about water quality and agriculture and the systems that are involved in that and be able to give farmers and farm advisors information that they need so that they can adapt it and adopt it in their own systems. So you're not going to hear me say everyone needs to do a certain thing because I really think there's lots of great ways to do it. So it really comes down to understanding the concepts and the risk factors and managing for them. So the the first thing I'll say is that the big take home that we've seen from all of our sites is the first best thing to do on any farm operation is to stop soil loss first. Farmers get bombarded with information about you should do this and you should do that, right? right well frankly from a water quality perspective stopping soil loss is the first best thing to do so however you have to do that a network of conservation practices including making sure that you're minimizing the amount of disturbance that we're doing to that soil we're keeping it covered and protected we are um you know kind of overlaying practices on top of that those are the things that really make the first biggest difference. So what we have seen in our discovery farms data is that in May, June, and July, across all of our sites, that's when we see three quarters of soil loss happening. So three quarters of soil loss happens in three months of the year. The other nine months of the year make up one quarter. So that's where we really got to focus our attention.
0: I don't want to interrupt you, but just... I just want to clarify amber are we talking now is this across the entire system no matter what tillage system or even no-till systems these are the three key months
1: yeah yep okay every this is this is the combination of all of our data so yep from all of our data no matter what type of farming system we're in no matter what part of the state you're in most of our soil loss happens in May, June, and July. Now, I will say that the amount of soil loss that we see from no-till systems is much less than from tillage systems. Okay. It doesn't make them perfect. I'll give, I'll give you a, a spoiler alert on that for the next piece <laughs> that we need to think about. But, you know, it, doesn't, it does not make those no-till systems perfect, but they really do do a great job of slowing down that soil loss and and bringing that number down because the soil is not disturbed in those months of May, especially May and June. Because Mm -hmm. if you think about like um, this year, we're not gonna have a crop canopy for quite a while. correct. And so having soil that is disturbed or vulnerable or not covered at this time of year, it's really vulnerable to some of those big storms that come through. Um, it's vulnerable to if the soil gets saturated and can't take in any more water, water starts to move. So we have to prioritize making sure our soil is is armored for this May, June, and July time period. So first things first, stop soil loss. And and no-till is one really great way to do that. The thing is, is that uh, one of our major water quality concerns in Wisconsin is phosphorus. Mm. And the traditional understanding of phosphorus was that if you stop soil erosion and you stop soil loss, you will stop phosphorus loss, which is true in most cases. It's just not complete. So we also start to see dissolved phosphorus losses. So, you know, if you're asking me for the first best thing to do, it's to control soil loss. If no-till is your way to do that, then you need to think about management again in terms of, okay, so if you're applying manure, think about the timing of that. Because that's something that could really drive dissolved phosphorus losses up, even if you're not losing soil. If you apply manure or fertilizer at a time when we're especially likely to have a runoff event, we could see that phosphorus moving even if soil isn't moving with it. So really, it's kind of like, for me, it's about steps and priorities. First step, control soil loss. Next step, really thinking about timing of manure and fertilizer applications And thinking about if there's ways that we can cycle those nutrients from the surface without doing soil disturbance. Could cover crops help us with that? Maybe. I hope so. We'll see. We're doing some work on that right now. Um, But then also just thinking about what you really need there for phosphorus for the plant, making sure you've got your soil test phosphorus in line and then starting to take those next steps on the journey.
0: Amber Raditz is our guest, Agricultural Water Quality Program Manager for UW Extension. We're certainly glad to have her on Dairy Stream as we're taking a look at the Wisconsin Discovery Farm Program and how some of the research now is really focused in on water quality programs and some of the priorities they're putting, plus some of the results they've seen from the various research. And it leads me to my next question, Amber, and that's a pretty obvious one. Maybe you can just tell us how you track the data and the monitoring trends. How do you really look at that information?
1: We partner with the U.S. Geological Survey, so they do a lot of our actual data storage for us. But really, if you think about conceptually, the first generation of Discovery Farms Project was really to try to understand when did runoff occur? What were the landscape or weather conditions that made runoff happen? How do farming systems interact with that? Those were the kind of the questions we answered at first. So understanding that we we see about half of our surface runoff happens when the ground is frozen and half of surface runoff happens while the ground is not frozen. So that was something we needed to be able to put a number to. And then to be able to move on from that and be able to say, well, our um, typical median soil loss from a no-till farm is only around 50 pounds per acre, right? So that's the the middle. So that's saying that, wow, that really works controlling soil loss but then understanding that when it comes to total phosphorus loss because of that dissolved piece we start to see those no-till and tillage total phosphorus losses be very similar so it's kind of about understanding the core thing and then continuing to move up the ladder of understanding more filling gaps with our data so right now the things that we are trying to learn more about is really dialing in on the subtle pieces of management about dissolved phosphorus and really trying to see how do cover crops play a role in that? What other options are there for helping to continue to dial in and understand our impacts from especially no-till systems? And then on the nitrogen front, I feel like we are currently at a spot with nitrogen and agricultural systems that we were at with phosphorus about 15 years ago. Really need to understand how much water is moving through different soils, how much nitrogen is moving with it. What can we do that actually makes a difference in that? So we're kind of at the beginning of of understanding that information. And with phosphorus, we're really getting much more specific.
0: You mentioned the nitrogen topic and I know you say you're going by stages and just repeat what you had mentioned earlier. Priority number one, stop soil loss first, then, you know, concentrate on timing placement of phosphorus. But I know in conversations, you mentioned Dennis Frames' name a little earlier. I know Kevin Erb works in this field as well. And, uh, you know, they've even before I retired, we're talking about we have to put more focus now on the next step in nitrogen. Is that one of the things you think Discovery Farms really is going to be tracking in the next 10 years or so?
1: I do, yeah. I mean, those projects that we're trying to get installed now that are, you know, where equipment is installed below the ground to understand how much water is moving through the, through the root zone and past the root zone, that's going to give us a much better picture of nitrogen because um, surface runoff in those these stations that we have traditionally had installed, they've given us tons of information about phosphorus loss and sediment loss because that's the normal pathway for phosphorus and sediment to leave the landscape is over when water flows over the surface. but It doesn't give us a great picture of nitrogen, even though we've always collected that data. It doesn't give us a great picture of nitrogen. And so that I do think that that is going to be the next thing to really make a big dent in understanding over the next five to 10 years.
0: Again, you've been listening to the voice of Amber Raddatz, agricultural Water quality program manager for UW Extension, and I want to thank you, Amber, and uh, congratulate you. I know there's been a lot of producers that uh, were listening to today's podcast and are saying, "Boy, this has kind of started the burner and got the water now boiling." That that they have interest Mm -hmm. in maybe participating themselves, and not only individual farms, but you know there are a lot of farmer-led watershed groups that also have become a player in this whole uh, battle for better quality water. If there's one of these watershed groups or individual farmers that want to get more involved? What do they need to do? I mean, is there a financial uh, investment? What are the steps they have to go through?
1: That's a great question. And I mean, I really give a lot of credit to the farmers that are spending their time especially in these farmer-led watershed groups or participating to try to help understand locally where are the things that they can control and what are the issues that can be addressed. And uh, so I thank them for their time investment in that because time is money as we know too. To be involved with Discovery Farms, there is no financial investment for a farm. We do, you know, sort of have a waiting list, right? But the best way to get involved is if you are interested, is to just reach out to somebody on from Discovery Farms. You can find us on, online uh, at uwdiscoveryfarms.org. Get in touch with one of us and say, hey, listen, I'm interested And we're always looking for partners and farmers to work with, especially those that already have that foot in the door and are involved with local water quality efforts or farmer-led watershed groups. Because really, if we want to make this dial turn faster, it starts with those folks. So, um, you know, if you want to get involved, get in touch with one of us. We've got a few different options right now, not just the installed water quality monitoring piece, but in addition to that some ways to evaluate like nitrogen use efficiency uh, on the farm and in your crop rotation. So if you're interested, if this got the pot boiling for you, give us a call. Give, give me a call and we'll see, see if we can find a way to get you
0: involved. Well, Amber, again, thanks for planting the seed. I think you're going to get a lot of response from what you shared with us today. That's Amber Raddatz, agricultural water quality program manager for UW extension. We again, thank her for insights and all her time. As always, a big thank you goes out to producer editor Joanna Guza, who not only does so much for dairy stream, but is that kind of person that if you ever remember watching those guys spin all those plates and keeps them from falling and breaking, she's the one that does it there. But I also want to thank you, the listener, especially those, (laughs) of you that have made a difference in the quality of our water both now and into the future and again thanks to those of you that are going to take some time now and reflect on maybe what kind of role you can play as we continue to improve water quality and again i want to thank you for listening we'll again continue to tap a lot of good information that deals with agriculture and again the place to come to get more on our podcast is dairy stream and for dairy stream i'm mike austin thanks for listening The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us, podcast at dairyforward.com.